Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Just Make the Thing, a podcast for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. My name is Claire Tonti and today I'm joined by Chanel Luchev for a special episode where we discuss all things A Star Is Born. If you haven't seen the film, go on, go see it and come back because this is full of spoilers. It is, I won't even say, you'll have to listen to our chat. Come on board and deep dive with us into A Star Is Born. Welcome, welcome to our show. I'm Claire Tonti, this is Chanel Luchev. And, Hello. And Hello. 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 <laughs> and we are here. Okay, we have a lot of fun things to talk about today. Mm. One of which is A Star is Born. Mm. A Star is Born. The remake with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Oh, goodness. And then we're going to give a few more recommendations for fun stuff to watch and listen to coming into our Christmas season. Sound good? Looking forward to it. Okay, I feel like we should just get right stuck in to A Star is Born. Okay. So, shall we do like a quick quick summary for yep. people who haven't seen? Now, this is so full of spoilers mm. that I feel like if you haven't seen the movie, turn right off, go and see it because what else should you be doing with your life? Well, really, there's nothing else to do. Correct. So, definitely because mm. I think it's impossible to discuss it without basically ruining the narrative for people. So Correct. So, yep. go and see it and then straight after, come put back your headphones <laughs> in and come and listen to us talk about it. Exactly. So, to begin... The movie has been remade three times. The first time was in 1954, directed by George Cooker, possibly how you say it, mm-hmm. starring Judy Garland and James Mason. Oh, goodness, amazing. Then in mm-hmm. 1976, directed by Frank Pearson and starring Barbara Streisand mm-hmm. and Chris Christopherson. I love Barbara oh, Streisand. Babs. I'm actually quite a like closet fan of hers. She's so amazing. Oh, goodness, I'm not even a closet fan. <laughs> I adore her. I adore her in um, Is It Funny Girl? Mm-hmm. I also adore her in The Way We Were. <laughs> Not just for the Sex in the City reference that they, Samantha sings. If you haven't seen Sex in the City, there's a bit where they all sing that song mm. about Can It Be? It's so good. Anyway, she's amazing because she's so charismatic, mm. right? And she's so, and she reminds me a lot of Lady Gaga, actually. I was going to say, I can see some parallels. The mm. extraordinary voice being one of them. Yes. Even the nose profile. But I was going to say, that's exactly it. Like even the sort of physical features, there's real similarities in that they're sort Mm. of interesting looking faces and you can't look away. You kind of like... You're oddly beautiful. I can't quite put my finger on it. That's why I love it because Mm. there is this thing that's happening at the moment in, I think, popular culture where women are trying to all look like the Kardashians Mm. with these, like, frozen faces and giant lips. In fact, I've just been watching another reality show called Famous in Love that is terrible. I've been watching that, I have to admit. I know. It's pretty bad. It's like the McDonald's of television, but it's oddly compelling. 
Yeah. In a bad way. I like, I don't know whether I'm actually enjoying it, but I can't stop watching it. Correct. That's how I feel. <laughs> and one of the reasons I have an issue with it is because Paige Townsend, who is the lead character, was has got fake lips. Such fake lips. And the second <laughs> season, because embarrassingly, I've watched the entire first season now, one the second, they are so pumped up. And so her eyes and her whole face has had a lot of work done. Yeah. And it makes me sad because I think we're losing expressions of women mm. and originality. And I mean, even Lady Gaga in this 2018 remake, which is the one that we're talking about that's just been released, she has had work done too, you can tell. Mm. But it is so refreshing to see her paired so ba- so far back. Mm. She's got almost no makeup on. Her hair is her natural colour or what she said mm. she hopes is her natural colour. Mm. But, yep. but just to see faces of women that are um, mm. d- interesting. but And that's the same pool, I think, that Barbara Streisand has. She's yep. extraordinarily talented and charismatic but not cookie-cutter mm. beautiful in that Barbie doll way. So Don't you think that's sort of that allows you to kind of focus on her voice and on her personality a bit more because you're not distracted by the artifice of her face? You know, like you're so aesthetic, it's really, I mean, you look at her and she's beautiful but not in a way that's like, I don't know. She does. She looks like she would look like some kind of cookie cutter celebrity stand-in mm. person. But so she just looks natural and so when she talks and when she sings you really listen and you really feel. Yeah. I felt. I felt a no. lot. Oh gosh, there are so many feelings. So many. Oh my god. So let's just do a very very quick mm. summary of what the plot is. Mm-hmm. So it's a remake of that brilliant film A Star Is Born, the le- the most recent being the Barbara Streisand film. Now, it's directed by Bradley Cooper in his first directorial debut. Mm. So it begins with Bradley Cooper who's sort of like that drunken rock star mm. and, and he stumbles into a bar and happens to stumble on Lady Gaga's character mm-hmm. who is singing her heart out to Lavina Rose, which is one of my oh, Edith Piaf's amazing songs, and it's she's beautiful. incredible. Yeah. And he sort of falls in love with her, but it's a drag bar and she's sort of a singer that has never really made it because she's been told by the music industry that she's not beautiful enough to sing her own songs and he kind of brings her out into the spotlight and she becomes even more famous than him to tragic consequences yeah. and their love story is kind of you know, caught up in all of that. Yeah, yep. Did you know that before Bradley Cooper had his hands on it, it was going to be starring Beyonce? Really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. And actually Clint Eastwood was going to direct. Okay. Yeah, possibly with Eddie Murphy, maybe Robert, Robert Downey Jr. even. As the male lead? Yeah. Okay. As the male lead. Yeah, I know, I guess because he's sort of an older Singer, right? Yeah. Bradley Cooper's character is like an older actor. Yeah. Yeah, and then Bradley Cooper was also approached to play the lead opposite Beyonce and he turned it down because he felt it wasn't he wasn't ready. But then his father died. Really? Yeah. And he kind of had this dream of, of creating this movie. He felt like he was finally ready to do his own directorial debut and he's apparently like such a perfectionist that that's why his vocals are so incredible. Oh my god I didn't realize how beautiful his voice was like is there anything that man can't do? Yes. I just honestly it was amazing. I know yeah I totally agree and so he yeah just spectacularly kind of like really believed in this vision of this film and made it 
And and I think he saw Lady Gaga performing Levy and Rose somewhere mm-hmm. and then he just asked to meet with her and went over to her house <laughs> and they, like, made pasta together and then he so cooked cute. and played on the piano and they just, like, she just said his voice was so incredible that she just immediately was like, we should definitely work together. Yeah, and they sing mm. so beautifully together, like harmonise so beautifully together as well. Yeah, I know. It's incredible. So what was your overall vibe? What did you feel like? Well, if I'm being totally honest, when I walked out of the cinema, I had been sobbing for about 20 (laughs) minutes and Goran had to console me and I was like, that was the most depressing movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I was like, why would anyone make something so terrible? And he's like, okay. Because <laughs> we always do this thing after the movies where we'll walk out and he's like, so what did you think? And I was just like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> And he's like, did you really think so? I'm like, no, it was brilliant, but it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, because it's so emotionally oh my draining. God, oh, my Because, God. I mean, this is a massive spoiler alert, but Bradley Cooper's character kills himself mm. at the end of the show. Yeah. And the, like, level of brokenness of his character and kind of the hope that you hope that he kind of gets out of it but yeah. he doesn't and you kind of that moment where you know that he's going to hang himself and it's all linked back to when he was a child. Yeah. And, and then Lady Gaga's performance when she finds out and then she's in the hallway just sobbing. Oh, God, that is awful. I think um, I really believed their love story too, I how too. earnest they both were and for her in particular how even though he had obviously had so many internal demons and issues, she was just unrelentingly forgiving and b- believed mm. in him the whole time. Like there was that – there's a scene in the in the film after he – basically just disgraces himself in public at an award ceremony and goes into rehabilitation and they see each other see each other for the first time, what I presume to be the first time um, after that episode, and he just breaks down in front of her and he's so apologetic and stuff. But the way that she reacts, she's like, it's okay, I love you, it's fine. He's like, I did it in front of your father and... She said, it's okay, he loves you too. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. I know. She's just constantly reassuring him that everything is going to be all right. I know, I know. What I found really hard to watch and so heartbreaking was, A, just her raw talent. Mm. And when they're sitting in the car park Mm. of the supermarket, oh, oh my goodness, and she's singing, like, that song, Mm. I'm on the edge or how does that go? We're far from the shallows now. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. Yeah. I'll never hit the ground. I know. It's so beautiful. And I heard an interview with her where she talked about how every scene is filmed Exactly like that. There's no backing track. Often when they do musicals like that, they will record the vocals separately and then dub them into a scene. Whereas what I loved about it was that the the music you could tell was done right there, mm. so raw and real, and that that kind of gut-wrenchingly honest um, performance from Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, he's oh. so hard to look away. Yeah. And you can yeah. kind of see how broken he is um, from all of that celebrity culture and kind of being used by everybody and how she is just so raw and talented and sort of reminds him about what music actually really means Mm. to him. 
And then that kind of un- slow taking over of her career by these music execs and mm. she becomes like the dyed hair and, you know, the kind of like overproduced sort of like sexy dancing and all that stuff. And you can just see he's mortified because this beautiful talent that he saw and mm. is kind of being covered over, in his eyes anyway, mm. by the kind of gross sort of consumerism and trying to sell as many records as we can kind of shtick that seems to happen with her management and everything. And I watched a couple of other music documentaries. One was the Lady Gaga one on Netflix, which I highly recommend. It's like a behind the scenes of um, one of her sort of tours and also the Amy Winehouse documentary Mm -hmm, on Netflix, mm -hmm. both of which really like go along these similar themes of how the music industry Um, And these kind of people who just want to make money from these artists kind of take advantage of these people who feel so genuinely and are um, so talented in their own right. But to create music that is so beautifully crafted, you need to dig into a part of yourself Mm. that is so raw and honest because that to me is why artists like Lady Gaga and Amy Winehouse became so famous because any or any artist really the only way you can really resonate with a song like Bradley Cooper was talking about in the film that will last forever and like Barbara Streisand mm. is if you can tap into something that that people can it's deeper and you can relate yeah, to completely and to do that you have to find this kind of emotion inside of you and be raw but then the juxtaposition of that with the music industry or Hollywood that just wants to make money and get bums on seats. So there's this sort of tussle about money versus craft that happens and often artists end up addicts and, yeah. you know, quite broken. And you can see that too because it's they discover this person who's clearly incredibly talented and then all they try to do the entire time is change who they are fundamentally. Mm. You're great but we need to – so in the film – with the, her Lady Gaga's manager says to her, you're great but we need to change your hair colour. Mm. We're great but you need to dress in a particular way, which it, and those some of those costumes were very strange, the things they were putting her in. Because I've always, my impression of Lady Gaga is I've always found her to be a very impressive person but because she's always been involved in theatrics, I've never seen her talent individually. Mm. So... Part of the advice she gets during the course of the movie almost parallels the earlier parts of her career, it seems. Yeah, she has to dress a certain way. She has to look a certain way. She has to learn to dance sexually because that's what people are into. Um, The lyrics that she has to sing are vacuous and meaningless and feel kind of like incredibly empty and are so contradictory to the rawness of the stuff that she feels when she just writes things down and starts to sing Mm. them. Mm. And that's the only time, I mean, obviously that's the only time that I actually became emotional when she was sort of singing something from, yeah, somewhere deep within her. Mm. Yeah, she's, yeah, I was like, oh, I think I love you. You're amazing. She's so incredible. (laughs) What I find really interesting is that Mm. a lot of reports I've been reading about or people often kind of have asked her because her character is called Ali in Mm. the film. And a lot of people ask her or think that obviously she's such a great actress but that Ali must parallel her as a person. Yeah. And obviously she feels so much as a as an artist. You can mm. see that in interviews that she does. But she is and she does have all the theatrical mm. stuff. But I think that 
what's interesting is she actually said in the film her character Ali needs Bradley Cooper's character. She needs all of this reassurance and mm. support to build her career. Like she, even the drag queens in the drag bar, mm. like she needs other people to validate her and she has a real real hang-ups about her looks and all of that mm. stuff. Whereas Lady Gaga in interviews has come out and says she was the exact opposite. The reason why she's famous is because she schlepped her piano from yeah. jazz bar to jazz bar and knocked down every door and pretended to be her own manager and say things like, Gaga's the next hottest thing and you need to give her the 11pm <laughs> time slot. You know, like she really mm. went out there on her own and, and pushed her own career. Mm. But, they're, but watching it, you feel like there must be some a lot of her in that character somehow because it's so believable yeah and I think I mean especially with her first commercial album do you remember that just I think it's called Just Dance that Mm. song yeah you don't really see much of her face but she's very she's this petite woman that's having a big party she's got blonde it might be a wig or it might not be Mm. dressed quite I don't know uh, provocatively, yeah. very kind of stereotypical, and I feel like as her career's progressed, she's changed, became more theatrical, but also more interesting. Yeah, the more mm. that you see yeah. her, but I felt like a lot of that, like just dance, mm. it'll be okay. Yeah, I'm getting it really wrong, but yeah. her, like she was so clever commercially. Yeah, 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 because, for sure. Because she had this hook and something different. So mm. a, her name being Lady Gaga, but also all of the, you know, the meat outfits and the things where you couldn't see her face and all that stuff. It's like a publicist's dream, right? Mm. Because it's a hook for people. What does she look like? Who is she? We mm. don't know, and and all of that hype. And then once she'd built up that career by kind of using the music industry mm. in its own right, she can then pair right yeah. back, and then suddenly yeah. you're then getting something different from her again. And she was saying that often people will tell, try and tell her what to do mm. in her career, and she'll just go the exact opposite mm. way. Because they told her what to do and she doesn't want yeah. to listen to them, which is different to her character Ali in the film. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And no, you're you're a hundred percent right. I think she I think in order to be able to break into that industry, you need to conform to some degree. And then when you build a bit of kudos and a bit of a reputation as someone that can deliver hits, I guess. Some songs that are popular and catching that will sell, you start to develop more agency and then you can kind of take back more of your own career and creativity, Mm. um, which is amazing. And similarly, like a similar thing happened with Justin Timberlake. He was part of the Mickey Mouse Club. (laughs) And he's he's another person that I find incredibly impressive. I mean, I used to like his pop music and then I went uh, years and years and years ago, I went with my sister to go see one of his concerts. Like it was his first breakout album. And I was just like astounded at this person that could sing and his range was so incredible. He could beatbox, he could dance, he could play several several instruments. And I didn't realise how incredibly talented he was and sort of his music went in a different direction post, what is it, sync. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, my God. So, and P.S., the Spice Girls are coming back. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, my God, I'm so oh, excited. I'm so there. And Hanson is touring. <laughs> oh, really? At the Zoo Twilights in Melbourne this year too. The 90s baby. Fabulous. That's why I'm wearing high waisted jeans <laughs> that I'm still having connections over. This is a total sidetrack, but Chanel convinced me that I should be wearing um, jeans that are not skinny jeans. Yes. Not that these are really jeans. They're like just oh, you look great. denim. I don't know what they are. I think, well, the skinny jeans situation was a revolution from when? The 2006, probably yeah. all the way up until maybe last year. 
Yeah. And I even now so. it's still kind of fading out. That's been a long time for a particular fashion I item. I really love them because I've got skinny legs. You do, which is why you look great in high-waisted pants. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Okay, she's still convincing me. I'm, I'm yet. Yeah, I don't know. They are very comfortable. Mm. I have to say. Oh, good. I'm Feel glad. a bit mumsy. But that's all right. <laughs> no, I'll, you look I'll fabulous. Commit. Thanks, mate. Um, so going back to a star is born. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, there is something else I want to ask you about mm. because I've been having these feelings. I mean, so having so many feelings because how can you not have feelings when you watch that film? Oh my god, I just sobbed my little eyeballs out through the entire thing. It's so raw. This chemistry is so incredible. The soundtrack is just spectacular um and they also um played at Coachella did you mm. know that so no I didn't yeah so some of those scenes where they're actually you know uh, they're performing in front of these massive crowds what mm. they did was they kept the first like couple of rows that mm. the, the, the um, crowd could hear and then they turned off the amplification of the mm. rest of the music so because they didn't want the soundtrack to get out. Mm-hmm. So they're actually playing at Coachella. So Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were on the stage performing those songs in Amazing. front of that, those massive crowds, but most of the crowd wouldn't have known that, who they were or what the songs even were. They yeah. couldn't hear it. Well, they're kind of unrecognisable really in the in the characters that they adopt. Yeah, they are. Because usually he's quite... Like he's quite clean shaven, yeah. short, quite short hair, blonde, yeah, and kind of blue eyed, and yeah, yeah. But he looks very different, and she obviously looks different too. So yeah, I exactly. could see how that could happen. They're so clever. Oh, so clever. Just so clever. I know. So I have to say, I thought it was brilliant and spectacular and heart wrenchingly beautiful. Yes. But I'm going to put that aside okay. for a minute because I want to run this theory past you that's been buzzing around in my head for ages. Sure. Lady Gaga's character, Ali, is the only female character that has any significance in that entire film. Yes. Right? Correct. Yep. Her whole existence is based around her relationship with men. Nothing in that film happens for her without men helping her Mm. on every level. Like whether it's her dad and she's like the one that cares about her ageing dad who's like a crooner but also a chauffeur driver in Mm. the house and there's like a whole lot of guys who are funny in there and she like banters with them. Whether it's the manager, whether it's the older brother of Bradley Cooper's character, whether it's the musicians in the band. Or her best friend or the drag queens who are all men. Correct. Yeah. All men. And Mm. and I, I worry a little that it plays to that trope of a strong female lead or, an, or a strong character, a female character in a film can only be so if there aren't any other strong female characters around and no other attractive women, mm. you know, so she can shine, like that kind of idea. And I don't believe that that's the case. But the fact that it was written by men and directed by men means that it's still that age-old trope, that kind of perception of women needing men to raise them up and support them Mm -hmm. to be able to achieve. And so she's kind of sexualised in that way too. Bearing in mind, I bloody love this film (laughs) with all my guts. Yeah. What do you think? Did you think about that? You know, I actually, well, I saw it yesterday, right? So I'm still trying to get over the tragicness of the love story. And when I think about it, I still get a bit teary. But I haven't had a chance to really think about it from that perspective and yeah, you're certainly you're certainly right. She is the only female character that I can actually 
think of in the entire film. There is there isn't anyone else, is no. there? No. There's that one woman that helps her out of the car at one point and she briefly introduces herself and she's there in the film for about ten seconds. Mm. I can't even remember her name. But again, mm. she's an assistant to someone. Mm. But everybody else in the film is a man. The only thing that I think that might counteract that is you see in the male leads how vulnerable and kind of broken and how almost how weak they are individually. Mm. They've all they've all got their own issues, and I'm not saying it necessarily balances it out, but it's kind of nice. Yeah, she. I mean, she certainly gets the assistance to be helped to be lifted up, but on some. In, on some level, she's a lot emotionally, she's a lot stronger than them. She has her insecurities about her looks and stuff, but she also can kind of keep her shit together a bit better. Yeah, you're right. Because her, fa- I mean, her father clearly is still living in this delusional world where he thinks he's as good as Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he may be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. Bradley Cooper obviously has got a, a drug dependency, a disease, mm. effectively, and the only person that can help to alleviate the symptoms of that disease is her because mm. he's been in that industry and in that headspace for so long and nothing seems to have assisted him. The only thing that brings him out of it is her. The older brother, or maybe maybe he's probably a bit more powerful, but he's got his own kind of issues. Yeah, he's played so beautifully and heartbreakingly too. Oh, man, you know that scene where he leaves the rehab clinic and he's like, I never idolised Dad, I only only ever idolised you, and he's like pulling out of the driveway trying to get away before he starts crying, and I was like, oh, God, not again. (laughs) Here comes the waterworks. Corinne's looking at me oh. like, are you okay? <laughs> so the depth of that oh. emotional feeling, yeah. though, and, and the idea, I think what also really gets you mm. is how much, is it Jackson Reed? That's yeah. his name, right? Um, Bradley so. Cooper's character. How much yep. he plays, and his brother does this in a way too, this kind of like man who doesn't even know his own emotions mm. and kind of can't even see through you know, he's so astute musically and, and just sees her as this bright spark of kind of wonderfulness. Mm. But he can't even sort in his own head a lot of his own stuff. And his brother's the same. And there is something so poignant about watching men who are clearly so powerful and strong in so many other ways mm. actually battling with these big, big themes mm. and emotions of fatherhood and what it means to love someone and try and understand and articulate that and try and find mm. out who they are and the fact that they're sort of battling with that and all their demons. And in a way, this is completely unrelated, but I read this beautiful article recently about little boys. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, as I say always, it's a spectrum. Women and men, there's lots of similarities, lots of differences. Mm. Everyone, it depends on how you raise and your personality. But in general, this article was giving kind of women advice around, or not just women, men as well, parents, advice around what to do with your child, your son, when they get to start school. And it, it talked about how sort of girls can sometimes be much more comfortable with their emotions. They're just, they're able to kind of go, I'm laughing, I'm crying, I'm sitting in a film, I can't even deal. Oh, my God, I'm crying in public. Uh, now I'm laughing because my husband said something funny, but now I'm crying again because it reminded me of the thing. And we're, like, so used to just, like, flying our emotions all mm. around everywhere. You know, whereas guys, I think sometimes their emotions seem to, like, 
be this thing that they don't even know how to deal with. And mm. little boys often will come home from school on their first day or whatever and just lose their mind and kick and mm. have a tantrum and say well, because they've got all this emotional stuff pent up mm. and they're not used to dealing with them. Well, their yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree with that. And I think like the vast majority of men that I know like at least from our generation and older, are not taught to express their emotions through any other way other than anger and like physicality as well. And in fact, I was having this conversation with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law last weekend and um, my brother... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I was saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, you cry all the time to his to his wife. And I was like, yeah, but that's just an expression of emotion. I'm going to hazard a guess that when you get annoyed about something or upset that you get angry and you raise your voice and you might take your anger out on inanimate objects. Like, you know when men, like, they get irritated about things, and this is a great huge generalisation, so I'm very aware of that, that not, all, not all men do this, but in my experience, when they get annoyed about something, they'll take their anger out on the thing that they've actually got in their possession at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like a power tool, they're like, oh, I'm going to throw it. So they throw it to the side because they can't do what it is they need to do with it or I don't know. Like I've, I've noticed that the expression of emotion is through that physicality and that strength, like physical strength and that anger, whereas women women sort of largely tend to express their emotion through, through tears but also they verbalise it. So, yes, we're crying, but we're also like, I'm really upset because of this specific reason and then on this day at this time you did this thing to me and then you said this and then I said this and then that made me really upset because that's what you said and then I did this. And, you know, it's like it's a very clear picture in their mind. They can almost follow that path of how they got to the boiling point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas I find a lot of the time with um, guys it's kind of like, it sits there quietly stewing and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, where the hell did that come <laughs> from? Yeah, it's so true. It's that kind of thing where they're like, well, I don't even care. I don't give anything. Yeah. It's fine. And not that all guys spoon like this. <laughs> but, you know, in general, <laughs> yeah. in my experience, they'll be like, it doesn't, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. What do you mean I'm fine? And you know they're not fine, mm. but often they can't articulate that they're not fine until later. Yeah, and whereas I'm very much like in the moment. And I actually used to think, oh, gosh, how? why am I so emotional? And now I think... Actually, that emotional ability to be vulnerable, to articulate in the moment exactly what I'm feeling Mm. means that I can have the biggest cry of the century, Mm. be absolutely beside myself and distraught, and then fine. Mm. Like a split second later, and it always never ceases to confuse my husband how I actually know he's got to, he's he's very intuitive now because, you know, we've been together a long time. (laughs) But how it is, I think often men must sometimes think, how is it that they can then just be like, what would you like for dinner? Mm. You know, like for the same just... reasons that you can like lose your temper and then you're like, I'm just going to go for a walk now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, same yeah, thing. like literally be screaming and sobbing your heart out on mm. the floor and then within the same breath go, oh, I feel like bolognese for dinner. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 
Like, and it's the same thing and we can switch like that mm. but I think it's because we let off the pressure cooker, yeah. like the steam, we let it off. We don't yeah. let it sit there and fester and fester until it explodes into a hurricane yeah. of throwing power I mean, tools. Yeah. No, no, I agree. I think they, uh, that is a gender conditioning thing though, unfortunately. I think on some level maybe there is a, an element of nature but I think a lot of it is also nurture. So interestingly I was listening to a podcast yesterday with my husband, I think it was like a basketball-related one, and one of the um, audience members or listeners called up and asked the podcast interviewers a question, and they were saying, is it appropriate to cry in front of your kids? Because, you know, mm-hmm. I've gone through a bad time in my life. My kids are this age. I was having a, like, I had a moment and I broke down in front of them. I don't know how it's affected them. Is it okay? And in my mind, I was like, fuck yes, it's okay. That's... There's no shame in it. And then the two interviewers who were both guys had to sit there and kind of they had a conversation about what the appropriateness of crying in public or in crying in front of family members. And I was like, that seems very strange, but I don't know, maybe that's social conditioning or something mm. like that. It is really interesting actually. I do mm. think there is something about how family deals with emotion yeah, and particularly the expectations for boys versus girls mm. and the societal stuff. I totally agree. And I actually think I totally agree with you as well that I think it's really important. And Glennon Doyle, who I follow on Instagram, who if you don't follow her, you should because she's mm. amazing, also says this too, that girls and boys, all human beings, need to see, and kids especially, need to see emotion. They yep. need to see crying and anger yep. and upset and shame and guilt and happiness and joy. Yep. And they need to see yep. it modelled in a way where, yes, you're crying, but you pull yourself together because they need, eventually, you know that, that you can be fragile and I'm I do that in front of my son. I, yep. I'll cry and I'll yep. get upset and angry and I'll tell him mummy's feeling sad now because, and I won't go into like the exact details, but <laughs> yeah. they're quite adult things, but I yep. might just say something like mummy's feeling sad because she broke this thing or yep. or because a, a, a dear friend of hers, going through a hard, yep. hers is going through a hard time or, or I have even told him that mummy is missing her dad because my yep. dad passed away and I would, I would just tell him that. Mm. And now when he gets emotional because part of being a toddler is that they have these big emotions, mm. like anger, sadness, guilt, frustration. They have nowhere to put it. Yeah. And so it just I'm watching my son at the moment going through these kind of rages and then he's fine again so with someone with like a split personality. <laughs> but that's what's happening. And so mm. now what I'm doing is saying to him, you're angry at the moment and that's okay. Mm. Or you're sad at the moment and that's okay. Mm. But this is what we do when we feel sad. We cry and then we take deep breaths. And if we've done something when we're angry that we feel bad about or we've hurt somebody, we take deep breaths. It's not okay if you're angry. It's okay to be angry. Mm. It's not okay to hit someone if you're angry. Mm. And there's two kind of distinctions. Yeah. But talking to him about all of his emotions. Yeah. Yeah, well, really that's important. the thing, identifying the emotion and finding a productive way to deal with it, like a non-destructive way to deal with it effectively. Yeah. yeah. And that means different things to different people. But, you know, it takes emotional intelligence and maturity to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So, and I think because primarily because women tend to, we talk a lot, like we talk a lot about random stuff, all like you and I will talk and then we'll get off this podcast and then we'll talk for another three hours. (laughs) 
one of the many reasons why I asked you to do this podcast with me. 100% exactly. And I don't think guys could hang out for six hours and one of them's going through a divorce. And not that, you know, and and you'd ask them about it and they're like, no, 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 basketball game was good. (laughs) Yes. You know, we talked about that time in high school when someone got hit in the head, in the balls with a tennis (laughs) ball. But they don't, you know. And and, But I also think that's changing too and I think that they can have real conversations. Mm. But it is important to raise boys and girls Mm. both with the knowledge that we all have emotions, that we all experience anger and shame and guilt and that nobody's perfect. Mm. Because I think the other dangerous thing you can do for kids is pretend like you you never cry, you Mm. never get angry, everything is perfect. And then when they realise they're not perfect, they then kind of internalise this idea that there's something wrong with them. In fact, nobody's perfect and everybody has emotions and everyone... You know, maybe not to the is is broken in some way. Maybe not to the extent of like mm. the character um, Jackson Reed in mm. the film. But you know, there is that whole thing. So, mm. out of five stars, what would you give a Star Is Born now? Oh, it's right up there. If not five, four and a half for sure. Cool. Yeah, you. It's hard because of my feminist rants that I had before. <laughs> I gave it like six stars yeah. or five stars when I got out and then over time, but I've thought about it a lot and listened to the soundtrack a lot. I have to give it five stars. Yeah. Even though I have some issues with the storyline. Perhaps if you had an issue, if there were no issues with the storyline, it would be six out of five. Correct. Mm. Which is, yeah, exactly. So I'm going five stars as well. It's okay. a brilliant film. It and is, the soundtrack has also oh, like topped the charts here and in the UK and the US. So beautiful. I know Lady Gaga. Voice, she's just so talented. Yeah, it's just and that end scene oh. where she's singing this song that um, oh, about how much he loves her and oh she misses him and oh god, it's that was the point. I was like, incredible. I have to get out of this cinema. <laughs> and I was like ugly crying, and it was just like I was like a snotty red mess. Oh, it's like, oh, are you right. okay? And I'm like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> There's been two other films where I felt like that. I know where it's just like, and I have to sit in the cinema. P.S. I love you. Oh, oh God. God. And also A Fault in Our Stars. Oh, I didn't watch that on purpose. I couldn't handle yeah, it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> okay. Good. Unless you unless you want to be in a room by yourself with a box of tissues. <laughs> I actually do really love crying in movies. Though. I, I mean, it is. Say, yeah, it's a I beautiful film. But holy hell, you just like oh. I was. This is a Saturday night. It was meant to be just a. F- Fun movie with friends. <laughs> We're all just sitting here like, oh, God. I can't even deal. It was like when I watched The Notebook back in the day. I could not even deal. And then you end up, what happens to me if I see it at a, at a cinema with James, my mm. husband, I am in such an emotionally fragile state that he will say something innocuous like, then you want to go get a drink? And I'll be like, you don't even understand the emotional gravity of this moment. Oh, I need to go and like write a song and stand on a clifftop and stare moodily into the ocean or something. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just a film. But anyway, the other two films that I felt like that about, one was About Time. Have you seen that? No. Oh, goodness. Oh, it was the time that I saw it as well. It's brilliant. It's by the same director of Love Actually mm-hmm. and also Fordings in a Funeral. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It stars Rachel McAdams. It's about a boy or a man and his relationship with his father and it's just heartbreaking and heartwarming and it was just, just around the time that James and I, just before we got engaged and my dad was sick, so there was a whole lot of things. Mm. I, James almost had to carry me out of the cinema. <laughs> I was just sobbing so much. <laughs> 
Lord. It was so full on. So there's that and also Lion. Have you seen Oh, yeah, I cried during that. Oh, Holy mate. moly. Holy moly <laughs> magoli. It was so, I mean, it's incredible. Mm. The performances are just spectacular. But, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things in that. That's, so that's hard things. work. And I listened to the interview with the woman that Nicole Kidman plays, the mother. Yes. And um, she recounts some of the history of the story and was talking about the... Um, it's a true story. Yeah, yeah, it's a true story. If anyone hasn't seen it, you should go watch it. Mm. It, it basically recounts mm. the story of a little boy who got lost from his family mm. in India. I won't spoil it, but... Yeah, and he's adopted by Australian parents. Yes, correct. And then he goes back in this kind of spectacular journey to find his family yeah. and his mother. And it's... But it is, it's true. It's mm. a true story. Yeah. Gosh. It's just... Crazy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's a point in the interview with her where she says she meets she meets her son's birth mother for the first time and she's sobbing, crying sort of so painfully that the birth mother is consoling her. And she's like, I felt so bad because I'm crying. And she's like, it's okay. It's going to be <laughs> she's okay. the one that hasn't seen her son for and like 30 she, years. Yeah. And then apparently she says to her, I give you my son. And I was like, <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I would have to be scraped up off the floor. Like, honestly. Oh, mate. Yeah, but it's really great. Yeah, it's, an amazing <laughs> it's a great film. story. <laughs> it is an amazing film to watch. It's really, really cool. Mm. Okay, so we did talk recommendations mm-hmm. of things. Is there anything else you'd recommend? Um, yes, although this this recommendation might make you irritated, but I would highly recommend you read it. So, the, so the, I, I read a book a couple of weeks ago called The Wife Drought by Annabelle Crabb, and it's quite a few years old now and sort of fairly famous, at least in Australia. Her theory is basically that if all women had a wife, so whether that be a man or a woman, this sort of genderless person that basically picks up the domestic slack of someone's life, that they would have infinite opportunity to be the most successful person in the world. And because historically the female is the one that does a lot of the unpaid labour, that is why males are in the, or men are in the position that they're in in the world. It's how mm-hmm. the, the patriarchy is the patriarchy. Mm. So Because they all, all had wives to do it all. They all have wives. Choose the shirts, make sure they look great. Look after the children, don't yeah. leave the workforce. There's a whole, there's a whole range of things and um, it's just, it's kind of good because it confirmed most of my suspicions with statistics and like raw evidence it's just so well written but it also just made me incredibly angry yes (laughs) Yes. so the one thing I mean there's a lot of things about the um the book that are interesting in terms of facts and figures and things but the one thing that stuck with me the whole time is the wealth pecking order of of people so basically according to I don't know whether it's the Australian Bureau of Statistics, but it's a sort of legitimate statistical organisation. The way that um, the pay order goes, at least in Australia, is women with children get paid the least, then women without children get paid second least, men without children get paid second best, and men with children get paid the best. So technically, if you're in the one family unit, your spouse they're a man, is going to get paid most likely much more than you will for a whole range of 
economic but sort of historical reasons that she kind of goes into. I was like, but that doesn't make any sense because you've got the couple that both has the both have the child. So surely people should be on a similar playing field, but they're just they're not at all. So I found that incredibly interesting and then also infuriating. <laughs> and I read this book while I was on holidays, like I was away for the weekend with my husband. So it was like so nice and romantic, but then I was also quietly seething. I was like, oh, it's so lovely. We're having such a nice time, but also I'm really angry <laughs> for everything. And at you, <laughs> husband man over there doing nothing, yeah. enjoying your holiday. I mean, how dare you? How dare you perpetuate be... this situation? <laughs> how dare you be born so lucky? <laughs> I know. I know, because I read this a while ago. I'm mm. fairly certain I talked about it to you yeah. on the podcast. Like, I don't know. We've mm. we've recorded like over fifty episodes. So yeah, it's amazing. How exciting. Yeah. But yeah, I totally agree. I felt like I felt like that when I read it. It's it's a brilliant piece of just research, mm. right? So yeah. There's a lot it, it backs up a lot of our mm. suspicions, correct. And it also made me kind of realize how lucky I am to be in a position where James and I co-parent and mm. it's completely 50-50, mm. you know, because we both have work and even then I do things where I feel guilty for him looking mm. after our son and mm. I'm I'm often like apologising and being like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry I have to go and do this thing and he's like, Claire, you have to work. Mm. It's not like you're going off just to do – like today I was I'm so sorry you have to stay home and be with him so I can go and do this and he's like, yeah, but – you looked after him this morning so I could podcast. It's mm. But it's being comfortable owning that and it feels a little bit still like I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm. It's guilt. There's a lot of guilt. I mean, there is guilt, it. but there is societal pressure to conform to a particular stereotype and mm. you can't, as much as we are independent free thinkers and we're educated and all of those things, there are still these general sort of unspoken, well, sometimes they're spoken, sometimes they're screamed, expectations of what women's roles and men's roles should be. Mm. So yeah, actually the other thing, interesting thing I recall is, so while it is expected that women will stay home and look after children, men are often chastised by their superiors, by their work, by their bosses for making that choice and they, they seem to have, there's there's less of an issue sort of, telling them that they're not focused on their work and if they want to get somewhere they really need to put in the effort and everyone has families, you just need to find a way to cope and that kind of thing. Um, uh, There's an interesting anecdote in there. I don't know whether this is a friend of hers or someone she knows but she said there's a couple, they had a child. The woman stayed home for several years to raise her son and when he got to primary school age, she was given an incredible career opportunity. So they decided as a couple that they would swap. And he would stay home and spend some of the um, his son's formative years um, with him and be involved in, you know, the school runs and involved in the classroom and, you know, do some of the domestic stuff as well. And basically what happened when he tried to do that was, A, he was hit on by a lot of the mothers <laughs> They came to the school and he's like, you think it'd be nice but it's actually a bit gross. Um, but also a lot of them complained about him coming into the classroom and doing reading with the kids because the, the mother said, oh, it's making us feel a bit uncomfortable, which breaks my heart mm. because he's just trying to be an involved parent and that's wrong too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like completely. Being criticised and punished for wanting to be an involved parent 
like a father involved in your child's life. That's not right. I don't think no. that's right either. The other the other flip side thing also happens because at my school when I was teaching, we mm. would get dads come in and it was totally accepted mm. and normal. Yeah. Except the, so they wouldn't get criticised. What would happen mm. was everyone would applaud them yeah. and they would get given <laughs> treats and, like, the, the male teachers would get, like, women would, like, line up to be like, isn't he wonderful? Because oh. he's photocopied one piece of worksheet. <laughs> and, and yes, you know, guys, there are, I've worked with great male teachers. I've worked mm. with terrible ones. Just because they have a penis doesn't yeah. mean that they're going to necessarily be good at, or like, good a good teacher. Yeah. It's just different. And it is great for kids to have both. Well, the world is made up of men and women. so Correct. And so they need to have both. But, yeah. it, but I think the other side of it is they get congratulated. Like yeah. James still, to this day, if he's walking around with our son, people will congratulate him. <laughs> oh, you're babysitting. Oh, aren't you a good dad? Nobody walks, no one says to me while I'm walking around with my pram at 8 o'clock in the morning or something, oh, well done, you're being such a good mother. Surely they can't say babysitting when it's your own child. No, they do a lot. <laughs> I have to, I actually, today in a text message, I nearly wrote to you, I just have to figure out what's going on with our son because James will need to babysit. <laughs> I wrote that sentence and I deleted it. <laughs> I had to delete it and oh go, boy. no, it's not babysitting because it's his own child. Mm, but mm. but there is a vet, that even my own unconscious biases mm. around it. And, and he's such a great parent. Mm. He's often better than me. Mm. So, yeah, you know, no, I know what you mean. But it is often that time. Mm. It's literally often what happens is women have babies and mm. then they will stay at home to raise them at the very beginning, particularly if they're breastfeeding and all mm. that stuff. makes total sense. But they automatically start off spending more time in that role so they get better at it faster. If, the, if a man goes back to work, he's not there. Yep. I had no idea what to do with a baby when I got one. I would hold it up. Like, <laughs> what do I do with it? James is exactly the same. We had no idea. But the only difference was, A, that I'd had some maternity leave where mm. I could sit around and, you know, organise stuff, read some baby books. Mm. But, B, I just was there. I had mm. to be there doing it. And, and so I think if men can be given opportunities in their workplaces to learn how to do it, and normalising it. I mean, exactly. Well, actually, that it's interesting you talk about sort of not really knowing what to do. Interestingly, when women do go back into the workforce, the book notes that the amount of housework you do is directly... I can't think of the word Index? right. Index? Yeah, by um, the amount of hours you work. Yeah, so the mm. more you earn... For women in particular, the more women earn, the more successful they are, the more housework they feel they need to do to compensate for the fact that they're not at home doing the domestic labour. I was like, that doesn't make any sense either. There's all these things yeah. like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make I any know, sense. But it's something around guilt. Yeah. It's around trying to alleviate the guilt that they feel for not being there for certain yeah. things, I think. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. We could go on and on about this mm, for ages mm. because it is I, – I do think it's shifting – but yeah. in her book, she talks the research she looked at then, it wasn't shifting that. And it wasn't that long ago because she talks about statistics in 2010. So, I mean, I mean, yes, it's 2018, but that's not that long ago, not really. No. and I mean, this is only anecdotal, but yeah. where I live, we work from home, so we're both home all the time. Mm. We've already talked about this. During the day, 
I will go to the park with my son and it's women and babies for yep. days, mostly, yep. all week. And then on the weekends, on Saturdays, James calls it dad day because there's like <laughs> suddenly like all They the all appear. And they're all traipsing around the suburb with their prams. And, and so that's that kind of stereotype. And I'm mm. not saying that that is the case and it's certainly not the case in my family. Mm. But, yeah, it's something that I hope is changing but is more slowly than is changing probably... I don't know. It could be faster. Yeah. But anyway, we recommend The Wife Drought yep. by Annabelle Crabb. Yep, do it's, read it. It's mm. really good. The other thing I would recommend, as I have before, is The Guilty Feminist Podcast oh, yes. with Deborah Francis White. It's excellent. Oh, it's so funny and so clever and so great and deals with a lot of these themes but in a way that isn't like beat you around the head with feminism yeah. because it's all about the kind of assumptions and um, hypocrisies that mm. undermine your feminist ideals. Mm. So it's very funny and great. And um, their live shows are really brilliant. Mm, they're such, and they're so, so diverse. She has a mix of stand-up and comedians and, and chatting. And, yeah, so I've been listening to that a lot recently, which brings me to our live show, Chanel. Oh, yes. Yay. <laughs> so we are doing our very first live show on the 9th of December in Brunswick at the Howler Bar. It's very exciting. At 12 o'clock? At 12.30. 12.30. I need to get these details right. Oh, God. You do. 1.30. Yeah. Well, too. I reckon we'll be finished okay. by two. Yep. And if you are under 18, you can still come as long as you bring a guardian with you. Mm-hmm. It is a lovely thing to do on a Sunday. Five dollars from every ticket is going to Care Australia. That's support wonderful. Support women yeah. and girls living in vulnerable situations around the world. And as well as that, we also have James Clement, who is my husband man, <laughs> coming along too. We're going to interview him and talk about the things that he makes. And then also Jess Perkins, wonderful comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful. Who, who's also on Triple J. And Dave Warnicke, who is also a comedian. He works for The Project. But both of them are on our Planet Broadcasting podcast, Do Go On. They're so very funny. Excellent. I'm so excited. It's going to be great. That'll be so fun. And also, excitingly, the Women's Melbourne Network are also going to be there too. So, so they're good. going to be helping us um, partner the event and they've got some merchandise and a few things too because they've got a really cool Facebook group. So if there are women living in Melbourne like Please we come. do, it's great to just yeah. like meet other women who are into stuff that we're into. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So that's fun. And um, tickets are available from Mosh Ticks. So please come if you're free. And then if you're free after, come mm. and say hello to us. Yay! We're <laughs> going to be in the bar after Howler has this really cool beer garden. So we're going to sit and enjoy some Christmas beverages. And, and then Claire and I will talk your ear off some more if we you hadn't will. had enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or we might be crying into our boots or something, <laughs> as I said in a previous episode. <laughs> But we're doing it. We're scaring mm-hmm. ourselves and jumping in. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do, right? Correct. Correct. So if it's just me and you and our guests and our two other podcast listeners, <laughs> there's more of you than that. But we will love to see you all mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, tickets are in the show notes below and also on our website, planetbroadcasting.com. Well done. Yes. Oh, and there's a promo code, podcast dog. Oh. For a discount for listeners of the show. <laughs> Just for you. So come along to Brunswick Howlabar on the 9th of December. We'd love to see you there. At 12.30. At 12.30 and go watch A Star is Born. It's brilliant. Yes, amazing. Oh, so good. Okay, bye. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Twenty, and Chanel Lechev. 
For more podcasts just like this one, head on over to the Planet Broadcasting Network. If you'd like to email us, you can go to justmakethethinkpod at gmail.com for questions or comments or if you'd like to advertise with us as well. You can find me on Instagram because that's where I like to be at Claire Tonti or on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies and you can follow the show at Make The Thing and Chanel is at Ben Yoga Melbourne on Instagram. Thank you so much, Rock Collings, for editing this show as always. And please do us a favour. Subscribe in iTunes, leave a rating and a review. It makes so much difference to us, I promise. And we'd love to see you if you're around in Melbourne at our live show on December 9th. Have we talked about it enough already? I think we have. Okay, have a great week. Go watch A Star Is Born if you haven't already. It's brilliant, especially if you need some inspiration. I always think if you're stuck in a creative venture, just as an excuse, maybe it's an excuse to just watch lots of great stuff, but going and watching and listening and reading stuff just gives you so many ideas for where you could take something. So A Star Is Born is definitely one of those things and the soundtrack is just incredible. Right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Stay making things out there and talk to you soon. Bye.